We are concluding our series on the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, the Greek word would be the, the charismata, the charisma, where we get our word from. But it's, um, I want to just start, actually, let's just pray for a bit, and then I'm going to start with a bit of a story. Father, we thank you for your word that always changes us, always molds us, always fashions us to be like you, to, to know your goodness, Father. And even as we're singing that song about our lives just magnifying you, Father, I pray above all else this morning that my life, and if you want to pray for yourself, that would magnify you. Nothing more, nothing less. We'd lay down things we need to lay down. We'd pick up things we need to pick up. But our lives would magnify you in our speech, in our thoughts, in our actions, in our calling. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I'm not talking uh, of a theoretical training moment on the, the gifts of the Spirit, which is sometimes what we do. But by the way, Marilise, well played on the keyboard. Let's just give her a round of applause. It's her first time not playing. She's actually a piano teacher. She says playing this stuff is very simple. But I want to just say, I felt like God just laid on my heart that there's, he's given you this natural skill. But as I'm talking about spiritual gifts, I feel like part of your gifting is to be able to release something of the Holy Spirit. And so let's just, let's just pray over her. Father, we thank you for our release. We thank you that this is opening a new door and a new avenue, Father. And we just, we pray, Lord God, for your anointing to rest on her. That takes her beyond her natural ability into a place where it, where it releases your power and your presence over us as a people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So this is not a theory for me I'm talking on the gifts. It's something that I've lived at, something that um, I've seen manifest in my own life. I got saved uh, or came back to Jesus. Still going to find out one day when I get to heaven if I was saved before. Because I do remember praying a prayer of salvation, but I wasn't the greatest Christian. Kind of Anyway, we know it's not about works. Anyway, and uh, 2001 had a clear moment where I encountered God. He spoke to me, what are you doing with your life? You know, God often speaks in questions. And I come, go to a church, and, um, and I had a low view of myself, I, like I don't know, probably a lot of in the room, we, we sit in that place, maybe have a high view of yourself, that's also great, but I had a low view, and I was like, God, like, but something that captivated me about a local church, and I saw manifest in every single person, there's that there's a purpose, and there's a destiny on every single person's life, and I think that's the thing that drew me into church, and drew me into an intimate walk with God, is that as, as I begin to follow Him, as I, as I, I, I to begin to engage with my Father in heaven, He starts to put stuff in my life because He wants me to change the world around me. He wants to use me. And that absolutely changed everything. So I want to just show you a book. Who has heard of this book? Purpose Driven Life. When, they, when it was printed, at least this copy, it said 11 million copies sold. To date... There's been 50 million copies sold in 85 languages. It's, uh, it's, it, I think, it, what did it say? It was on the, the New York Times bestseller for 90 weeks. I mean, that's, that's like record-breaking stuff. And I think the amazing thing, when you hear Rick Warren um, being interviewed about this book, he says, I wrote it for my local church. I wanted my local church to carry purpose. And just some of these incredible titles within this book. So if you haven't read it, I really encourage you to do it. It's a, it, it purpose one is you're planned for God's pleasure. 
You were formed for God's family. Number two. Number three, you were created to become like Christ. Number four, you were shaped for serving God. Number five, you were made for mission. And this was a a, a guy who wrote it, given it was probably a large church at the time, but he's like, I want my church to carry purpose. But it, it, it struck a chord in people's hearts. And that's why we're talking about the gifts. We're not talking about the gifts just so we can, oh, this is, this is a biblical understanding. No, every single person sitting here, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've crossed the line of faith. You say, I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. You are born again and you carry in, inside of you the DNA of heaven. You carry something that is meant to change the world around you. It's meant to change the people around you. It's meant to change your family. And, it's, and as we start to talk on the gifts of God, I know there's some specific ones that we've gone over in community groups, but there's, whatever God has gifted you with is for the glory, for His glory, like that song we're saying, so Christ would be magnified in my heart and not my gift magnified. And the problem so often that I've seen over following Jesus for 20 years now is that you have incredibly gifted people and the gift becomes bigger than Jesus sometimes. And uh, Jason Upton wrote a song, uh, it's, like, it's called Dying Star, who's ever heard it? Such a good song, go Google it when you get home. But he's basically just prophesying to the modern day church, he says, you're shining so bright that, you, that people can't see me. And I'm saying, God, it was just singing that song, God, move me out the way, because I want people to see you. So whatever you've called and gifted in my heart, let it come through me. Let me just be a vessel, a broken vessel at times that brings the glory of God into people's hearts, minds, and lives. Exodus 4.2, it says, God speaking with Moses, and they're having this discourse, and God, then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. That's where God starts. Understanding the formation today, I should have given you my title, the formation of the gifts in our lives. Is that where it starts? It's whatever's in your hand. And I remember getting saved, coming to a local church, small local church in Durban, South Africa. And they were like, cool, we need someone to take the sign, put the sign up for the church every day, every Sunday, and take it down. That was my job. Now, if I, I wasn't the most faithful in it, okay? Like, I know we're meant to be faithful. I just, I'm, I'm like, I sometimes forget stuff. I've got reminders on my phone. Once or twice I forgot. I got kind of pulled in by the pastors, and they told me that I forgot nicely. And, uh, but the point is, I think when we understand how, how do we walk into the gifting that God has for us, how do I walk into the more that He has for me, just say yes. Just say yes to what's in front of you. And if an opportunity comes, say yes. And even if you don't know how to do it, say yes. Fake it till you make it. Just, just step forward and, and step out in God what He has for you. And, uh, and I, I remember someone saying this in the early days, if you want to figure out what you're called to, do the general and let God work out the specific. So if you, like, cool, I want to, uh, I, I see myself being like Andre one day playing bass, playing electric. Okay, well, cool. Actually, what we need right now is for someone to open the door and close the door. Cool, I'll do that. Because for me, that's where it starts. It's, it's, David even says, I'd rather be a housekeeper, a, a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And it's understanding that whatever we do within this house and with the gifting that you use into your workplaces is, an, is, is bringing heaven to earth. So we've got incredible people in our church. And I, I, I sat last night, I, I don't know if it's because it's Thanksgiving or I listened to a sermon on Thanksgiving, but I fell asleep listing how thankful I am 
for not only the people in the church, for my family, for salvation. Just this, anyway, just this heart of gratitude. So let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. And I'm just going to break this apart in the next 15 minutes or so. I would say that I'm a 10,000-hour preacher. If you were there on the first sermon that I preached, you would not come back. I was shocked when we started this church 10 years ago. It wasn't my first sermon. It was probably about my fifth or sixth, minus kind of the community groups that I, that I spoke in over the years. But it was like my first, like my fifth or sixth, like in front of people, like more than like 10 people. And I just, I went for like 50 minutes. I, I like broke apart some Isaiah text, gave this, the, the historical context and all of that stuff. And then I remember reading a thing about Tim Keller, who's an incredible uh, communicator of the gospel in New York. And he says, only on, after your 250th sermon can you actually know how to preach. I was like, cool, I've got, I've got a while to go. So hopefully each week it gets better. My wife is a, a very honest critic, especially in the early days. And she'll tell me when it's right and when it's wrong. And I can tell you that the gifts, so some people will get up and it's just this natural gifting in them. Sean preached three times in his life, I think. And it's just like he's been doing it a thousand times. God's going to use him powerfully in that. But God will also use you powerfully if you just stick to it. I remember at school, um, I was laughing with someone the other day. They gave me colors for, for swimming. And now in South Africa, it was like all boys schools. And you'd wear a blazer and you'd have like, like a little ring around your, your, your wrists and Anyway, I got colors for swimming. I was like, why did I get colors? I wasn't even in the A team. I was like the, B, the unofficial B team captain. I went to the coach and he says, no, it's because you haven't missed a practice. I'm like, that's what you call consolation colors. Anyway, 1 Peter 4.10, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. It's talking about the gifts of God, charismata, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And that's a small part of like the world's population, if you're looking, even in the gifting. Because I say to someone, hey, do you want to get up here and speak? They're like, no, thank you. It's not my thing. But look what it says here. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength, strength that God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And uh, I just want to look at the first, the first part of that scripture says that each of you, each has been given a gift. Each has been given something. Like I said, if you're still trying to figure it out, maybe there's some gifts tests. I know Ryan sent it out to community groups that you can take. But there's natural leanings that you lean towards. So I want to get a few people up. And they aren't going to be very happy with me. But Andre, would you mind standing up front here? He knew, he knew it was coming, eh? Andre, if you could stand, we have to social distance, so maybe that side of the Christmas tree. Ryan, can you stand in the middle? And Andrew, I know you're there, bro. I can see those shoulders covering the whole doorway. In the middle. No, you the Ryan. So here you have different age groups, different nationality. <laughs> there he's coming. He's been training. And the the Bible says this, it says that each one or each of you has been given something, not just the minister, the preacher, the one who stands up front, but each one has been given something. Yeah. So if I look at Andre, he's a great bass guitarist, 
electric guitarist and that. But what you don't know about Andre is that he actually provides work for people in the church through his business. He's a businessman, and I know part of he said his calling is to be in business and to play music. He is living that out. He is a he is a a cog in in this wheel that would not function as well as it as it does without him. Then you've got Ryan, who's an incredible leader, and they lead an incredible community group. The community group, just give a little cheer. Yeah, multi-talented. Um, but then you've got Ryan, who. Is, he does preach up front, does lead from the front, but behind the scenes, he pastors this church. And uh, with, I'm not going to look at him, but without, without him, we would not be where we are. He's, he's got an incredible gift on his life. He's faithful. Him and his wife, Lauren, are incredibly faithful. They're behind us in the leadership. They, 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 he's, he's seen me in my lowest moments. He's seen me in my highs. He's, he's behind us. He's, he's like, he is the cream on my, no, I don't know. Let's go to, <laughs> the icing on my cake. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I should actually think about these things before I do this. Yeah, Bruce, just edit that out. And then you got Andrew, who came to our church four years ago, am I right? Three years ago. And I remember him standing at the back, and I was like, man, there's a call of God on that guy's life. I'm just going to go up and see if I have a prophetic word for him. And I just went up to him and said, you've got broad shoulders. <laughs> God's going to use you because you can carry, I can't remember what I said, but he's like, and he, I think he appreciated that because it was just honesty, and I don't know if I was right. I mean, I was right because I was kind of prophesying what I saw. But Andrew's got an incredible leadership gift. And if you see him, in, uh, if you're part of the serving team, he's the guy that gets everyone going. Nate's the same. They, they're, like, they're able to rally a crew of people and, and get them to function around something. And although we want him to be more upfront, and that is maybe part of his, I think it is part of their future, him and Jay, but he's happy to serve behind the scenes because he realizes that's the role, that's where he's needed, that's where he's gifted to make not only this work, but the kingdom of God move forward. You guys may take your seat. Thank you. I hope you understand. That's, these guys are amazing. I should have called up some girls. Tara's been part of our church almost from day one. Such a key part of the church. Leads a community group. Uh, can interpret your dreams. She sings. She writes. Anyway, so we've got these incredible people in our church. Um, I, I just, when I start to talk about the gifts, I'm like, they have been given something. Those are the guys who've been given something, and they've been good stewards with what God has given them. That's all we can really do. We can either use it for His glory, our glory, or we can neglect the gift that God's put on our lives. It's our choice. That is where the choice... Sometimes you have moments where God, like with Paul, meets Paul on the road to Damascus, throws him off his horse there. He had a divine appointment and a divine plan. Paul could have moved away, but he did meet Jesus face to face, that he went blind. And he could have moved away, but he didn't, because he had, he had seen the glory of God. And can I say that often what I've seen over the years is that people who, who, who step back and they're like, I need a break from serving. Okay, I get that. Sometimes you can overexert yourself. Fine. But sometimes people step back and then they stop functioning in the gifting and the calling that God has placed on their lives. And then they again begin to fall backwards. And eventually they're like, cool, I'm not, not really part of the church anymore. And then you sometimes see them and it's each of us has been given a gift. And I think if we grasp that this gift has been given from heaven, whatever it is, 
Just think what, I, what comes naturally to me. What do I have a natural inclination towards? Um, if I look at my life, from almost within a few weeks of coming back to Jesus, I was leading a group of people. Like that, someone risked with me. Like, I was like, cool, I know like a few scriptures. Um, someone gave me two or three people to look after. From then on, Stahl and I, I think the mark of what we've been, even before we planted the church, we're like, we, we felt the stirring of, of church planting. And we're like, okay, well, there's something in me. And we had multiplied groups. It just there's, there's this natural thing that happened. And that's where the gift works beyond your natural capabilities. Praveen, he's there. I was going to actually, Praveen standing there, Anisha, incredible couple. So key, part of our church. Also very much behind the scenes. You see all the people that are auditioned up front. He's the one that gets to tell them yes or no. <laughs> so he's taken that job away. I was too nice for that job. I would say, come sing. And I'll speak to the sound guy. i say, switch their mic off. Joking, didn't do that. Uh, only in the early days. All those people have left already. Um, sheesh, I'm getting myself into trouble. Yeah. See, we get given a gift, but it's our choice if we want to use it. Where's Justin? Justin, he's there. Okay. So Justin was my trainer. He won't say that publicly now because he's like, no, I was fitter back then. But let me, let me just put, paint a scenario for you. Imagine I said, cool, I'm going to pay for six months up front for Justin to train you. I'm going to give you uh, these delivered meals. There's like keto meals where you have to follow it. I'm going to get juices every day. I'm going to have a follow-up. He's going to follow up with you every day. That's a gift that I've given you. It's your choice to use that gift. Because you can end it your six months and you can be like, You've maybe more unfit than you ever have been because you never took advantage of the gift or walked in the gift that, that was provided for you. I'll get back to training soon, Justin. Don't judge me, okay? <laughs> I started two, three days ago. <laughs> the next word is should use. My parents got me a guitar when I was about eight years old. Loved it. I had a natural leaning towards music. Uh, played guitar. Started, you know, we all started with a little classical guitar. Um, then I went for lessons, and then my mom actually bought me my music book. From, so I went for one set of guitar lessons when I was super young, took a break, and then this other lady taught me, and I was just looking through this, and I mean, I was, I mean, I was way more organized at like 10 years old than I even am right now. Like, uh, like, so my first song was Baba I Love by the Everly Brothers. My second song was Knocking on Heaven's Door, Bob Dylan. Um, and as I look through this, it just brings back such memories. But like my parents saw something in me and fanned that gift to flame. It's, and, and I began to use the gift that God has given me. And that actually opened doors in the early days of, of ministry. When we planted the church, we had no worship leaders. I was worship leader, pastor, sound guy. Um, all of these things that I'd learned in church, it was, it was a mess, guys. I don't know who was here in the early days, but it was, I, would, I would fix the sound. I'd run to the front. Delegation wasn't my gifting. That I, it's one of those things I had to grow into. But you should use your gift. That's the point. One, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 to 7, it says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. It's a supernatural thing. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And we can sometimes quote that, 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 that scripture by itself, like God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But it's within context of talking about the gift of God that is on your life. He was talking to Timothy, who Paul says, do not be timid. He's called to lead one of the biggest churches of the time. He was the pastor of Ephesus, which at that stage had 250,000 people, not the church, the city. 
It was a large, influential church. It was one of those churches that is mentioned again in Revelation. And here you have Timothy, who is probably just out of being a teen. And Paul says, do not be timid. Set an example in love, in faith, in speech, and in purity. He says, you have to appoint elders. And he has, he has this young guy that Paul is bringing through. And he says, do, I need to remind you to stir the gift of God that's in you. The word there is fan to flame. A few times, uh, South Africans are known to make barbecues. Okay, we all call them brides, but for the, everyone else's sake, it's a barbecue. Okay, and uh, there's been a few times where I haven't got the flames right, and it's embarrassing. But thankfully, no one else was around. I like I, I put I put all the stuff in, and it just didn't work. And then I start chucking toilet paper with oil on it. You know what I mean? Like whatever works. But but the, the amazing thing, what you've seen with uh, with any fire, is that you just need a little flame. And sometimes God will give you a little flame of a gift. It's a small inclination. It's like, oh, I quite enjoyed speaking in front of people. Or I loved serving. I loved giving. Some of you are saying like, do you know one of the grace gifts is giving? It's, and you're like, well, I'm only earning like 2,000 dirhams. How can I give? It's like, well, just start. Because God sees faithfulness. And as you begin to stir the gift inside of you, God provides more so you can grow in your gift. We should use. And do you know what the sad thing about sometimes if we don't use the gift? God loves people, but he's also not a respecter of like saying, well, I want to use Ryan in a certain area, but I'm just using this as an example. Okay, Ryan, it's not real. I want to use Ryan in a certain area, but you know, like he's focused on other things. He's not really attentive to my voice. You know, I'm going to actually just... First season, let's just park that. I need to get something done. And and in the city, there's, there's some stuff to do. I'm going to pass it on to Nate. He's waiting. He's ready. It's the, it's, the, it's the difference between chronos, which is the two words in, in Greek for time. Chronos is like your chronological time, but then there's kairos, which is this opportune time and moments. And honestly, it's those who are ready and waiting and saying, God, I'm being faithful with what I have now so I can walk into greater. And if you see, if you don't believe me, it's throughout the Bible. You have, we all know Abraham. Am I right? Genesis 12. I'll bless you, you'll be a blessing to the nations. Those who bless you, I'll bless. Those who curse you, I'll curse. Incredible scripture. But if you read just before that, God, it's, it seems as though God actually told his father, let me get his name right, Haran, to actually leave the Ur of the Chaldeans and set out towards Canaan. But what he did is he stopped almost like a quarter of the way and he settled. And so often, I've, uh, pastoring people, you're like, man, this person has such incredible potential and such, you, want, you almost see and I can see and prophesy their future, but then they often stop, maybe at a place of offense, maybe at a place of misunderstanding, maybe at a place where they don't, where, they, where they're not seeking God with their heart and it's, it, they, they camp there. But what does God do? He raises up Abraham, his son, who says, you are going to be the one. And everyone remembers Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. I won't sing it for you. Other examples of the, in the Bible, you have Judas, who, I mean, this is like the, the great theological debate that God kind of preordained him to be like that, or was Judas kind of going that way because he had like kind of wickedness in his heart. The point is Jesus to- chose him as a disciple. Chose him, called him. But something, or somewhere along the line, there's like this wickedness that crept into his heart and he was used for evil. Gehazi, who's heard of Gehazi? If you know your Bible, you guys know your Bible, so that's, you're exempted. So you have Elijah, you have Elisha, you have Elijah who gives double anointing to Elisha, then you have Gehazi, 
who was meant to actually be kind of next in line as the next prophet of Israel, but forfeits that. I'm saying, God, I don't know. There was something written about David in amongst all of his mistakes and sin. He says that he fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation. And I'm, I want to say of my life, Lord, let me not get entrapped and entangled in sin and entangled in stuff and, and politics and, and other things that can actually stop me from, from walking into the call of God of my life, over my life. It says, whatever gift you have received, that's very simple. It's you were given a gift from our Father in heaven. It's not earned. It's, 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 a, it's a grace gift, which shows that actually if we get a gift from him, he's going to show us how to use it, and he's going to get the glory anyway. Ephesians 2 verse 8, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Let that settle. That salvation is a gift from God. But equally so, in, ver- in 2 verse 9, it says, Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's, God has written stuff in the book of life for you and me. God's not making it difficult for us to find our gifting and calling. He, he's more passionate about you walking into that than you are about walking into that. He's created us to do good works. He's given us a, spe- a specific ability that we need His grace in order to do it. It's almost like, I mean, I'm probably the only one in the room who's used this, but you know you get assisted pull-ups. So you can do pull-ups. I can do like three or four just. And... Um, but then you get the little rubber band that you stick on there and you can just all of a sudden do like 40, you know what I mean? You're like, yes, I'm ripped. And then the thicker the, thicker the bandage, you can just keep, and you're almost bouncing over the thing. And, um, and I honestly think that's how it works with sometimes with the grace of God in your life. All he wants us to do is just step out in faith in a certain area and then God just floods it with heaven. And I can tell you, I've, I've seen stuff and I've walked into things that goes beyond and way beyond my natural ability. It's because I, I stepped into a place of like, I celebrate and I know my weakness. But because the, the Bible says that when I'm weak, God is strong. And then I see God doing some, some crazy stuff in people's lives. And I step back and I'm like, wow, glory to God. That's where gifting, it should never celebrate the man. It should celebrate Jesus who gives the gift to, to see his kingdom advance on this planet. And all we and love it ends on this. It says, "As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms." Now, the word for steward there is a manager of someone else's household, and actually, the meaning is that someone who was a slave has now become a free man, but he's a manager of someone else's household. We get to be stewards of the gifts that God has given us. And I listened to part of um, John Bevere's book, Multiply, and it's so good. And I encourage you to go read it, listen to it. But he just talks about gifts. It's like you can either use the gifts that God has given you for yourself. You can neglect it, which I've spoken about. Or you can use it for the glory of God as a faithful steward. And as you begin to do more, God multiplies the gift within you. There's, um, in Luke 16, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. God sees the little moments of faithfulness. That's why when Jesus is teaching out of Matthew 5, 6, 7, it says, when you pray, go into your closet and your Father rewards you. 
When you give, don't let anyone see. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Your Father will reward you. When you fast, don't make it obvious that you're fasting because your Father will reward you. Now, what I understand from that is that God does want to reward us. He wants to, us to walk into the fullness of life, but it's not from us trying to show any of our righteous works. It's between our Father in heaven and being faithful with the little things, being faithful when no one's watching. And uh, the amazing thing about, if you look at Scripture, and I don't have time to read the whole parable of talents, but basically there's... If, I'm going to give a quick little summary of it. But there's talents given, okay? You get, I think it's one, five, and ten. The one goes ten, he's multiplied it. Five, he's multiplied it. And then it's, I might have got those numbers wrong, so I apologize. But one comes back and it gives God, this, uh, the shrewd manager, this one talent back. And he says, get away from me, you wicked and unfaithful servant. And that, that is so like hectic. God has not ca- called us to be managers of the thing that he's given us. He's called us to be multipliers. So how do we become multipliers? We're faithful with the little. And if we're faithful with the little, God will give us much. And if we're faithful with that, he's going to give us more. Because it's, faithfulness doesn't matter about the quantity. It's the action of being faithful that God can just begin to multiply that behind you. So if you're leading a community group now, you're like, man, I feel like I've got a call of God in my life. And we've all got a call of God. It's not just the person, the pastor. It's, but it's like, okay, I want to be faithful with these two or three people. And then God adds more. And it's, it's, it's an amazing scripture. It says, not from the east nor from the west, God is the one who, who raises you up. God is the one who promotes you. It's not going to come through striving. It's not going to come through knowing the right people, being in the right place. It's faithfulness. And it works not only in this house, but it works in your workplace is that all of a sudden, if you're faithful behind the scenes, there's going to be promotion. There's going to be things that you're like, man, I didn't work for this, but I'm getting something because God sees your faithfulness. Where you sow, you will reap. So much I can talk about. Let's stand to our feet. Romans 12, 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal to all of us, but keep your spiritual fervor Serving the Lord. And I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to pray over myself. Father, I pray this scripture over us. That we won't be lacking in zeal, but we'll be keeping our spiritual fervor. Serving you. Father, that's the key. It's serving you. Our gifts that you've given us are for others. It's not for ourselves. It's not to make ourselves look good and great. But it's for others. It's kingdom. As we give away, it multiplies. So Father, I pray for every single person as we've gone through this series on the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, that you'll just begin to highlight that in people's lives. If they don't know what they're called to, they don't know what is the one thing or the two things that they can give the rest of their lives to, I pray, Lord God, that right now you'd speak to them and you'd highlight that thing. I pray that you'd open doors for them, Father. I pray, Lord God, that we would be a faithful people, faithfully serving, faithfully giving, and let you work out the rest, Father. I thank you for this church. And in a moment of thanksgiving, our American friends are celebrating Thanksgiving. God, I thank you. I thank you for the community group leaders. I thank you for those who laid down their lives and their finances and their Fridays 
Sometimes they're Saturdays and they're midweeks for your kingdom, God. I pray, Lord God, that for all of us, we do it for one thing, and it's, it's for your applause and for your glory. I ask this in your precious name. Amen.